celebrating 10 years of podcasting and online ministry, you are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, where we take Christian truth into the arena of ideas. Now join your hosts, Dr. Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo. Coming to you from Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, and Ronan, Montana, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast, and we are celebrating 10 years in podcasting and online ministry, uh, actually starting this Thursday, uh, which is Thanksgiving. Uh, so we first of all want to say Happy Thanksgiving to you. We hope, pray, and trust that you have a wonderful time as you uh, recount the blessings that God has bestowed upon you and your family. And uh, we're just so thankful that uh, you're with us here on the Bellator Christie Podcast as we celebrate 10 years. Uh, Tonight, I want to first of all let you give you kind of a roadmap as to uh, uh, what lies ahead. Uh, First and foremost, tonight we're taking a little bit of a break uh, this week and next week as well, as we're going to have a couple of intermediate uh, episodes uh, between the uh, theology series that we just finished in pneumatology and the the series that's forthcoming in soteriology. And the series we have on soteriology, which is the study of salvation, is going to be fantastic. We're going to have uh, actually two, maybe three people with us on the air as we go through some of these uh, theological issues. Uh, We have with us toward the end of the series uh, Dr. T.J. Gentry, who's going to share with us a book that is uh, set to be published sometime next year, 2023, called uh, Leaving Calvinism excuse me, Leaving Calvinism, Finding Grace. And so uh, this is going to be a perfect entry as we're talking about soteriological issues anyhow. Uh, We also have coming on with us one of the members of uh, my dissertation team, uh, dissertation committee, that is Dr. Chad Thornhill, and he's going to discuss uh, issues pertaining to Romans chapter 9, looking at it from a corporate view rather than necessarily just individual election. And so he'll be on with us as we uh, discuss those issues as well. And then we may, we're going to try to get on my dissertation chair, Dr. Leo Purser, because he has a different take on that's uh, held by many pertaining to the issue of the imputation of righteousness upon a believer. Uh, and so we're going to take a look at some of those issues, and we're going to try our best to get him on the air uh, sometime during our theological series. So that's yet to come. So uh, we've got a lot of great things coming up. Uh, tonight, we're going to have a special podcast where we discuss uh, some personal reflections that I have on the PhD journey that I just went through and some really practical spiritual and life lessons that I learned having gone through uh, this program. Coming up next week, we have a special podcast with Dr. Mark Phillips. He's going to be on with us to discuss an I- the issues that he sees in the apologetic communi- community, uh, which he calls tribalism. Uh, this These are segments of, of uh, the apologetic community that's growing into cliques and with it, uh, it grows into tribes, 
And there are some inherent dangers uh, that may come having gone down that path, or if we were to go down that path, which seems to be the pathway that we are indeed traveling. Uh, it seems to be the trajectory that we're on at this time. So he's going to be on with us coming up uh, next Friday. If you're with us on a live show, uh, we won't be on Thursday. We'll be on that Friday coming up uh, the first Friday in December. And then after that week, we should be back on normal uh, normal uh, schedule, uh, being on Thursday afternoons, 8 p.m., Eastern Time, if you're with us in the North Carolina si- uh, section, and uh, that would be 6 p.m. Mountain Time if you're uh, in in the mountain region. And, of course, uh, that would be 7 p.m. Central and 5 p.m. Pacific. But we do invite you to join us on the live show uh, for Bellator Christie. Now, we had a very interesting thing happen uh, as we were recording the live show. Uh, we were... Moving ahead, we were talking about some issues, and lo and behold, someone, we won't mention who, but it's yours truly, (laughs) forgot to hit the record button uh, that uh, we use to record these podcasts and to move them from from Zoom and on YouTube and these other areas that we uh, distribute the podcast uh, to bring it all to the recorded audio section. So right now... Uh, as as you are, are hearing this, this is actually a post-show recording uh, that we're going to merge into the podcast. So uh, we're going to, we're going to talk about some great things tonight. We hope you join us. It's going to be it's a little bit longer than what we intended it to be, uh, but we do bring forth some practical life lessons, and we are ho- we hope truly that you are blessed by it. Again, thank you for joining us. This marks ten years podcasting, and an online ministry. We thank you for joining us here at the Bellator Christie Podcast. And we have some exciting things coming up in 2023 and hopefully, God willing, the next 10 years ahead. Again, we hope that you're blessed. We hope that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And now we'll join the recording already in progress. <laughs> yeah, there it is. But yes, uh, um you know, this is this is kind of a uh, we're going to be discussing today just your journey and your adventures of going into the the PhD program and you know and and kind of what motivated you to be there and and such and what a great uh, great opportunity. So I think we should just jump in. Yeah. And, and I want everybody to know that this that this podcast, this episode is not intended to be a brag fest or anything like that. The, right. One of the reasons I, I felt led to do this is because whenever I wrote the three reflection essays at Bellator Christie that I did, I had other, even some people on our team who were going I had other people tell me that they either experienced similar things that I mentioned or that they're experiencing those things. And so this isn't the things I'm going to share from my heart tonight aren't just about going for a PhD. I Mm. think it applies to anything in life that you do. Anything major that you're going to do, any big task that you have set forth uh, to do for Christ and glorify him. The same, same things that I'm going to describe to you about my journey also apply to you. Anytime you're going to do something big for the glory of God, you can anticipate 
the, the very same things that I'm discussing tonight. So again, this, this episode is not intended to be a brag fest. It's not intended to be about Brian Chilton because it's, that's not what the focus of it is. Right. The focus is to, to show you how God can bring us through any difficulty, no matter how major it may be, that he can bring us through. If, if he call, and it goes back to that saying, if God calls you to it, he will bring you through it. And it's so true. That's yeah, that's good. So starting off, um, what barriers did you find with the language of the of entering into that program? And how did you adapt the academic language to everyday life? You know, I, I, I thought about your question there, Curtis, a, a lot over the past week. Um a lot of folks don't realize that before these podcasts, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about issues, talking about mm-hmm. different questions to ask, different things to, in, in tweaking anything needs to be asked. And I thought a lot about this, about your question here, Curtis, because I thought it was, I thought it was a good one. I think in anything that we do, there's a certain vocabulary, there's a certain right. um, language that follows it. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I'm in, I'm a cha- as a chaplain, I'm technically in the healthcare field, and so I attend meetings with medical doctors and nurses, mm-hmm. and they have terms that you, you, know, you have to kind of learn, like uh, there's one word that they threw out called cachectic. It's like if a person gets uh, weak and and uh, <laughs> their ribs start showing and their bones start showing, uh, they call that being cachectic. Uh, and there's all these other terms. You know, over time you begin learning them. Thanks. But you know, Curtis, the work you do in ranch and especially the work you do in mechanics, it has a language yeah. all its own. And I'll be the first to admit, I'm I'm not a mechanic. So I've heard, I've had friends of mine before tell me about, uh, now I know horsepower of an engine, but then they'll talk about certain points and certain this and certain that. And I'm thinking, well, man, that sounds impress- impressive, but I have no clue what you just said. <laughs> mm-hmm. So with anything, with anything, that there's a certain vocabulary that we have to learn over time. Um, one of the things that's important for theological studies is to realize that we have and, and I think this is so fascinating to consider. We have a 2,000-year heritage. Um, we're following in the footsteps not only of Jesus, but other great minds uh, like Thomas Aquinas, like, uh, uh, whether or not you agree with them, Calvin and, and Arminius and Wesley and, and um, Jonathan Edwards, and then even back to the earliest days of Oregon of Alexandria, Augustine, and and um, Athanasius, Basil of Caesarea. There are many believers we could mention throughout the time. But one of the things that's important to understand is that when Christianity really started spreading, they moved away from Aramaic and Hebrew and started focusing in on the Greek language because that's the language that everyone knew. Yes. If they had, if they had just simply, if they had written the uh, gospels in Hebrew and Aramaic, well, well and good, but only a few select people would have been able to read it and understand it. But mm-hmm. they wrote it in Greek, which the the greater population of the then known world, uh, not everyone across the world, but anyone who has had 
business uh, had any type of business. It's kind of like English in the modern world. Um, it is the commonest, common trade language. So it can mm. reach the most people with the greatest impact. And so a lot of these terms in theology come from the Greek language. And the same is true in the medical field. So, for instance, the word cardiologist or cardiology, the word cardia in Greek is heart. Logos means the study of something or logic or word. The same thing with theology. Theos means God in Greek. Logos means the study of something. So theology, the study of God. We're getting ready to start a soteriology uh, section. Soter is the word for savior, um, or, 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 uh, or sozer, I think is to save. But anyhow, it comes from that root of salvation and logos, the study of salvation. So it, the same holds true with a lot of the terminology. A lot of it's just doing the work, you know, finding the root behind it. And once you start using it, you know, over time, it becomes like a second, second nature. Um, but, but the, but the, but it is sometimes difficult to try to break that down in the common language that everybody understands because, you know, there is a little bit of a translation barrier on certain mm-hmm. things. So, I mean, does, does that answer the question? I, I hope that gives, I hope that's what you're sure. kind of looking for there. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. yeah. And, th- and that was, you know, um, as you then interact with both, both worlds, um, you try if you're trying to explain to somebody what at that point you're studying you know um it it almost makes you have to kind of stop and think about how to um put it into words that somebody can understand because you can bypass that once you figure out the common language that's involved in that in that sphere um you don't have to explain each and every detail of it you know mm-hmm. so like if i'm if i'm talking about the camber or caster or whatever of a of a race bike or a race car then i'm i'm talking to them in such a way um that that they're in the circle they already know hey you need to go you need to go uh you know half inch more caster or half inch more camber or whatever and, and it's instantly known um what i'm saying none of that made sense to me <laughs> Right, exactly, and but yet to explain it to you, caster is the relation of of the lower ball joint that holds the holds the wheel on, and the upper ball joint. It's the relation of forward and backward of of to the car. See, that makes sense. Right, and so to be able to. So what you just. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I, I was just going to just interject and say, so what you just demonstrated would be the same thing we we need to do. And by the way, as we're celebrating 10 years in, in, of Bellator Christi this Thursday, this Thanksgiving, that's been the whole mission of Bellator Christi is to take mm-hmm. these deep theological principles and make it relevant and applicable to, to anyone who wants to learn more about what Christianity is all about and to to really know how to defend the faith, or if you're struggling in the faith, to have resources available to you so that 
you don't have to go that journey that I did where you're asking people for, for help and it's not, there's nothing there. We want to be a help to you mm-hmm. uh, with anything you may be going through. But going back to what you just did, Curtis, the whole point uh, and even interjecting there was just to simply say what you just did there would be the same thing that you would do in theology, theological studies, is right. to find the meaning of these words and then find that application over. And then, as you just said, once you understand how it works, then you let it absorb. And once you use it a few times, it becomes like that castor and camber that you mentioned. Um, right. It becomes like second nature. Right. Yep. So um, in your first article, you mentioned uh, the importance of of a calling. Um, so how do you know that God called you to go for your PhD? I think a lot of it has to do with my testimony and the need uh, to, uh, I think it has a lot to do with the the calling I had with Bellator Christie, uh, making these resources available to the public. Um, And and to understand some of these things, you kind of need a kind of a deeper understanding so that you can mine out some of those resources to to the 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 general populace general population by the way let me just say bart ehrman does the same thing but from an agnostic perspective uh it's important for us to have academics uh on the christian side on the conservative christian side conservative meaning theologically conservative um to to do the same thing to make it applicable to make it readily available for the populace that's why bart ehrman uh, and even um, shoot, some of the cosmologists, um, his name won't come to me. Lawrence Krauss, I want why his name won't come to me. Uh, that's why they're so popular because they take these concepts and they make it readily available to the public. Uh, but the problem is, is they don't necessarily always present the whole truth. And so yeah. what they want to do is to present the truth. And, and to provide it out there. But anyhow, going back to the calling, I knew from early age uh, that God was calling me to do the MDF, and that was mainly the primary focus. And I remember in gradu- graduation up at uh, in Lynchburg, Virginia, and at the Liberty graduation there, uh, Dr. Purser was uh, my dissertation chair, then head of the Ph.D. program, was talking about the Ph.D. in theology and apologetics, and it was as if he was looking right at me. I don't know if he did not or not intended it that way, but it's like he was looking right at me uh, whenever he was talking about the program. And then so I just, it kind of planted a, a bug in my, my head thinking, well, what about going for this Ph.D. program? Because I met these guys, uh, these folks, and, and really loved professors at Liberty. I did my undergrad at Gardner-Webb, wonderful school there, too. I fell in love with these professors. I fell in love with the program, and I thought, well, hmm, could I do it? Hmm. And I remember talking there at graduation with Dr. Chet Roden. He uh, he's, lives in Alabama, and um, he used to be a full professor there, but uh, they had cutbacks. He was caught up in the cutbacks they had there. But he, he teaches adjunct there now at Liberty. Uh, but Old Testament professor, does an excellent job. In fact, I took I had him for Hebrew when hmm. I took Hebrew classes in um in the MDF program. And I was talking to him about it at graduation. And I remember asking him, said, you know, I'd love to do this PhD program, but I don't know if, I don't know if I could do it. And I I never will forget. He said to me, look me dead in the eye. And he said, Brian, he said, I'm from 
I don't know if this is an actual town or if he was just exaggerating, but he said Poduck, Alabama. I don't know if it was really the town or if he was just saying it was just in the boonies. I don't know. I don't know. But he said, I'm from Poduck, Alabama. He said, if a country boy like me can do it, anybody can. Now, Dr. Roden is a very sharp guy. He's highly intelligent. But I thought, hmm. you know, maybe it could be something I could do. Maybe he is and right. here's the crazy thing about it. God puts these divine impressions upon us. He puts something in our minds, and 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 He's going to keep putting it there. If if you have just a fleeting thought, and then and it goes, then maybe it wasn't a divine impression. But if it just keeps lingering and gnawing at you, mm-hmm. then it could be that God is doing something there. Well, that was the same thing with this program, and so I, I actually started the application. Got halfway finished, and I thought, they're not going to accept me. So I, I quit. I didn't mm-hmm. finish it. A couple of days later, the school kind of calls me and says, uh, Mr. Chilton, we noticed that you started this application. Is there anything we can do to help you? And so I went through some of my concerns, and they said something to the effect that, what do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. You know, if you apply and you don't get accepted, but how are you going to know unless you do? So right. I thought, that's good. Good point. So I went through it. I, did, I submitted the paper. Uh, went and took the Miller's analogy test at App State up in Boone. And I thought the whole time I thought, well, I'm never going to get accepted. And so, um, funny thing is, I didn't hear anything back for a little while. And so I called the university and I asked them about the status of my application. And the lady says, uh, "Let me look for you. I'll be right back." And when, when, when she uh, got back to me, she said, uh, well, Mr. Chilton, I, I just want to let you know that uh, you were accepted today. You were actually accepted today. <laughs> just a few hours ago, they accepted you. So the timing of it, it was just impeccable. And so, um, you know, I don't know what God's going to do moving forward with this, but it, it is just an amazing, it's amazing how he pieced together everything as he did. And so, uh, Dr. Purser told us when we, when we first had the meeting before going into the program, uh, he told us that the most important thing about this type of study is to have a calling on your life to do it. It's not about being called doctor. It's not about anything like that, but it's all about the calling of God upon your life. And that's what's going to help you through. And I think that's not only applicable for studies such as these but i think that it's also applicable to anything in life Mm -hmm. if make sure god's calling you to do it it's all about a calling of god upon your life Mm -hmm. yeah well then it fits it fits a lot easier it fits it's it's something that you're willing to uh um you could say shed off um things that you're uh, think are important, but then focus in on on the calling. So, yeah, that's good. Absolutely, and, and it's just it's so true with anything in life. I mean, and that's the valuable life lesson I learned through this program. That just make sure whatever you do that you're called to do it, and if you're called to do it, God is going to supply your needs. God is going to be there for you and really help you through even some of the most challenging of circumstances you may face uh, because he doesn't call you to do something just to, to abandon you. Mm. He, he's going to really truly see you through it all the way. That's good. That's good. I could, 
I could use that encouragement right about now. That's for sure. Wow, that's good. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> See, nothing yeah. happens for nothing. Everything happens for a reason. Right. Yeah, I believe there was a reason and intention for that for having this episode uh, on this very night. Yeah. So your second reflection spoke about some of the spiritual lessons you learned during the program. Uh, what do you mean when you said uh, that great things take time? One of the things, um, I, I had a lot of great uh, people who mentored me and helped me along the way. Um, Dr. T.J. Gentry, uh, I, he may be listening to us tonight, I don't know, on the live show. Um, he was one of them. He, he gave me some advice after we met. We, we became good friends. Um, not only he, but many others who went through the program who, mm. uh, that I, I leaned on. Uh, Amy Downey was the first female graduate of the program. She gave me some great advice very early on about taking bibliology last because uh, <laughs> when it comes to comps, you're going to want to have that fresh on your mind. And boy, she was not joking at all. Uh, that, I, I, that, that's just for another time, but I, I'll just say this. Um, I'm glad I li I'm glad I heeded her advice. I'll just say that much. But anything, it, my dad taught me from a very early age. He said that anything worth having is worth working for, and that's so true. It's so true. The thing about a program like this is that it goes against what our society promotes. Right. Our society promotes. Like for Amazon, not not picking on Amazon, but just but just use Amazon as as a, as a as an example. Hmm. You go on Amazon, you can order anything you want under the sun, and at the click of a button, in in some places, you may have it there the next day, or you may have it there in two days, uh, because that, that Amazon Prime truck is going to come in, FedEx, UPS, uh, whatever you have in your area, they're going to pull up and they're going to deliver your package. Uh, in other cases, you can go online and you can click something and you can have it at, at, as soon as you click that button. We live in a very fast-paced society where we right. want things when we want them immediately. That's right. But the problem is, is that anything of substance is going to take time to accomplish and to and to. Uh, for you to succeed in, it's going to take time. So a, a program like this is like so many things in life. It's not going to come overnight. It's going to take time. Uh, it's, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's, it's one piece at a time, one foot in front of the other. And I see this, and this not only applies to PhD studies, it applies so much to everything in life. There's so many families I've met that um, they don't know what's going to come tomorrow. They don't know what they're going to be met with the next day. The only thing they can do is to take things one day at a time, sometimes one foot in front of the other, and just just keep pressing on. And I think that's one of the huge life lessons I learned through this program is that if anything is worth having, it's not going to come overnight. You're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to keep plugging forward but that's that's so true with the christian life itself i was just gonna say um, yeah. we, we don't it, we don't get saved and automatically 
um, everything falls in line. Now, a lot of things do, but so much of the Christian life is about the spiritual disciplines, about aligning ourselves to the will of God, and it's a daily process. And so th- there's so many applications that we could bring to the spiritual life that we have in Christ. Mm. Yeah, that's good because there there is so much that... Um... Yeah, there is just so much that just um and it that takes time. Takes time to develop one the the um to actually figure out how deep and where you want to go. Uh, but the other thing that I I was just going to say um I was just going to say that it's it's almost like forcing you to enjoy the ride. Yeah. So, uh, you also mentioned that the advice that the late Dr. Ron Williams gave you about one, uh, how one eats an elephant, uh, describe that for us. So, the late Dr. Ron Williams, he is a professor I had at um, Gardner-Webb. Um, I'll tell you what, can, can we put a pin in that just for a moment, just put a pause on it, because there's something came to my mind, I think, that really... Yeah. But you know what, this actually, never mind, I think I can squeeze this into this as well, uh, because there was another professor at Gardner-Webb that said something that uh, I didn't until this afternoon. But let me, let me start with Ron Williams. The late Ron Williams, uh, he taught a class called uh, Biblical Backgrounds. And um, this class was kind of like bibliology in the Ph.D. program. It was one of the heaviest loaded classes as far as work goes and when we got the when we received the syllabus we were all just stunned at the road ahead of us because we knew there was going to be a lot of work okay to come now stop and so, for a minute okay i'll put a pin in that syllabus so s- syllabus is the the document they'll hand you at the first of the class that lays out what the class is what the class is about. Gotcha. It leaves out the uh, the books that you need to order for the class, if you haven't already. And it'll also, uh, piece by piece, speak on each and every one of the assignments that you'll have uh, in the program. Uh, so how many research papers will you have? What What is expected of you in this class? So it kind of lays out all the parameters, all the assignments you have to do, all the readings you have to do. Gotcha. Some, some professors will even give you a schedule. Like if you have 16 weeks or eight weeks, they'll say in the first week, you got to do this. Second week, you got to do that. Um, so this laid out kind of the blueprint or the roadmap to the class gotcha. ahead. And we um, we saw this, and everyone in the class was that we were just stunned. We were like, "Oh my goodness, how are we going to do this?" <laughs> but Doctor Williams, he, he could see the expressions on our faces, and he and he said this. He said, "Let me ask you a question." He says, "How do you eat an elephant?" We we're all looking at one another. Eat an elephant? We we never thought about eating an elephant. Well, I don't know how do you eat an elephant. He says it's easy, one bite at a time. And it's so true. You know, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. Take one small friends. piece. What's that? Or have a lot of friends. Or have a lot of friends. <laughs> There's that too. 
Yeah, but even then, one bite at a time, one okay. chunk cutting, one chunk off, one piece here, one piece there. And, and so his point was, take it one step at a time. And so going back, I think this also fits, uh, this fits along with even the last point. There was another comment made by another professor there on Gardner-Webb, the undergrad that I was in, uh, Joe Collins. He taught another class, and uh, he asked us a question in class. He said, uh, do you think, he said, I got my doctorate degree. He said, do you think I have a high IQ? And me being the smart aleck I am, I says, well, if uh, if we say yes, do we get an A in a class? <laughs> <laughs> he laughs and ha ha, no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he, he went on to say that studies have shown outside of neurosurgeons and neurologists that people generally who have doctorate degrees have around the same IQ as the general populace. He said the distinctive, the distinctive, the distinction that's found is that you need to have a dogged determination that you're going to make it through no matter what comes your way. That, that that you're so that you're determined that you're going to finish, and and that's so true. It with this program, with anything in life, any big obstacle we have, any mountain we must climb, whatever it may be. If it's a spiritual mountain, maybe it's a financial mountain, maybe a academic mountain, or something else. Whatever situation we're facing, take it one step at a time, and and just come at it with that same determination. Uh, that, that Christ gives us, because that's kind of what this, the Bible tells us to be uh, to have don't have that spirit of timidity, but have that spirit of uh, spirit of courage, sound mind, and and uh, they're given by the Holy Spirit of God. And so that kind of goes back into the to the last uh, series we had on pneumatology as well. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So, uh, what did you mean if you don't find? Uh, contentment before the PhD, you won't find it afterwards. This is probably, I think, one of the one of the most important things we're going to talk about tonight. I think so many of us think that if we reach a certain milestone in life, if we have a certain possession have a certain job, a certain position, then we're automatically going to be happy. Mm. We're going to be content. Mm-hmm. That's not always the case. Um, I don't have the scripture with me right right now, but there's a passage of scripture where um, Paul talks about, the Apostle Paul talks about, Finding his contentment in in Christ, uh, he's he's learned to whether he has a lot or whether he doesn't have anything at all. That he he's learned to find his contentment in um, in Christ and in, in his relationship with the Lord. And I think that's so true because um, the only difference between Do you want me to read it, yeah, that'd be great if you have it. That'd be fantastic. It's it's Philippians four. Um. Verse 10, and so it says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Verse 11, not that I'm speaking from being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Verse 12, I know that 
how to be brought low, and I know how to be how to abound. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Philippians four thirteen, the most one of the most quoted verses at the football games. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. So there it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not all. You know, I think a lot of people come to a PhD program or any, or not just PhD. It could be a doctor of ministry, another type of doctor, doctor of psychology, whatever it is, whatever you want to interject in there. And, and we and we think that having a title or having something like that is going to bring, make us content. It's not. If if you don't find your contentment in Christ, then you're mm-hmm. never going to find it. Mm-hmm. And and the same is true. You know, a lot of times we we look for contentment in all the wrong places. Sometimes we look for contentment in having the approval of others. Well, guess what? There's there's some people that could give two flips <laughs> that I got a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Curtis just raised his hand. Thank you, brother. <laughs> but, but, but it's true. Oh, I know, I know. I'm joking. But there, there are some people who could care less. You know, the the reality is is that uh, if you live your life to seek the approval of others. That then you're you're going to be disappointed because think of this: there's only one perfect person who ever lived, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And what happened to him? They nailed him on a cross. Mm-hmm. So you're not. I mean, it, I even think about uh, the the Passion Week, uh, Holy Week, and how uh, which which I know there are other things going on there. I mean, you know, I'm just giving a little, uh, j- just a real overarching view here. But you know, you go from Sunday, he enters Jerusalem, and everyone's cheering him on, and then you go to Friday, and then he's condemned hanging on a cross. You know, there's a lot of things that happen between Sunday and Friday. I get that, but at the same time, you go from from being the most celebrated person entering the Jerusalem to having a monkey trial um, to to being hung on the cross. If you depend on other people to find your contentment, then you're not going to ever find it. The only place you can find contentment is in your relationship with God through Christ and finding your purpose in Him. And that's why, going back to what Dr. Purser said, uh, with academic studies, it's true with anything in life. Find your calling. Find what it is God's calling you to do and go after it with a fervent passion, whatever that calling may be. Mm -hmm. And... uh, here, here's another thought. We um, going back to our previous podcasts uh, when we talk about the Holy Spirit um, directing us and giving us gifts um, and certain callings. It's being sensitive to that stuff and chasing after it at that moment, and that's probably one of the biggest things is is to be gifted in that, but also. Um, to, to recognize that um, some people just are gifted with the ability to sit down and read 6,000 pages in a year. Um, mm-hmm. And some of us are okay with six. So, yeah. You know. And there's no shame in either one. I mean, because, and that's one of the things I think this is why yeah. I think in God's providence, He's allowed me to take clinical pastoral education after finishing the PhD. 
because I went through a program that's focused on the mind, and now I'm going through a, sh- a lot shorter program focused on the heart and mm-hmm. the emotional aspect mm-hmm. of it. Uh, we all have different personalities. There's some people who are very gregarious. They can go out and they can speak to people. They can speak to hundreds of people without end, and it motivates them. It, you know, they, they keep going. Now, I'm not one of those people. I can go out and talk to a bunch of people. Great, but you're going to have to give me a couple hours of downtime after that. Mm-hmm. I've got to have some recharge mm-hmm. time. <laughs> I wish I could be that person, but I'm just not. So there again, we all have our gifts and abilities. We all have our strengths and weaknesses. And um, find, again, find your calling. Find what it is God wants you to do. There's no shame. If you're one of those people, maybe there, there are people out there that really struggle with with, with uh, reading comprehension. But they're excellent when it comes to math. Uh, they're excellent when it comes to those things. Uh, mechan- you know, Whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Use your gifts and talents for the glory of God. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I can, I'm probably, um, probably speak the most into that, um, you know, through school, through school, high school and such. I, I give two rips <laughs> about going to, going to school. Literally everybody that graduated with me would be like, man, I can't believe you actually graduated. <laughs> and that's the truth. And, and it's the truth, but yet, Give me something I'm I'm very, um, you could say, driven about. Um, when I graduated um, out of our my tech college that I went to school with, I graduated top of the class um, because it was something that uh, I found that I really enjoyed and I focused in on it. And there, it just seemed like the stuff in high school was like I'll never use that stuff. You know, um, and and now I'm going back to it and going, no, that probably would have been helpful if I would have paid attention a little bit more <laughs> in that while I'm trying to study theology and some of this stuff. But here again, I'm doing a lot of this stuff on my own, digging through and 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 um, swimming in the pools, you could say, of of this other uh, type of thinking. And so it 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 does it it is. Uh, a bit curious, and uh, I feel that um, this is pretty easy um, for me to understand some of that stuff. Um, as we, you know, dig through some of our podcasts and we're talking about a lot of this, I find it easy to relate and easy to um, try to um, bring words in. And what I find so enjoyable is the fact that your background in education allows you to recall stuff that is i mean you recall stuff to its finest point the names the dates all those things and i just remember there was some guy in a stuffy suit that remembered it i can't remember what his name was but you do and so what's really unique is is uh is seeing that really come out, and I think that's a testament to your calling. Well, and and, and I, w- I want to say a word here too before we move on about uh, different intelligences. The, I was trying to think who came up with this, and and I, and I can't, I can't. Re- you talk about recall. I can't remember the guy who said this. <laughs> now you sound like me. <laughs> 
but but there's there's a theory out there, and I think there's a lot of legitimacy to it that there may be something like eight or maybe even nine different kinds of intelligence. Uh, one is um, language; that's an intelligence, uh, and this would include reading skills. Uh, there's another called you know math. Uh, there's one intelligence called kinesthetic, which is uh, an intelligence of movement. Uh, athletes are, are score really high on the on the uh, kinesthetic because sometimes there's people who learn from doing things, mm-hmm. uh, not just reading about it, just doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's interpersonal relationships. There's interpersonal intelligences where people know how to relate to people very well, or intrapersonal uh, relationships where a person can really kind of discern things to a level and degree. That most people can't. There's a musical intelligence. Um, that there's some people who are gifted really well in music, and that's a form of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, there are. Um, there's even some people argue a spiritual intelligence uh, that people have to be able to see the spiritual world, the, the spiritual things, and, and relate to the divine in a way that a lot of other people, you know, just can't. I mean, not talking about salvation or anything like that but there are some people who have those deeper spiritual abilities that other people may not have and i think there's some other intelligence there as well but the kinesthetic would probably also work in with the uh, mechanical abilities as well uh because there's some people who are good with their hands now there's other people who are very clumsy and so even though that's more of a physical based intelligence it's still a very important intelligence because Mm -hmm. Those people can put things to action. Uh, those those people can really uh, can, can really build things and 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 do things like that. Uh, I think there's maybe an art or if intelligence or something of that nature. But all of that's to say is we all have different forms of intelligence. And one of the things that was mentioned on uh, that study was that in school, only two of those seven, eight, nine, however many there are, only two of them are tested in education. The, the languages and math. Seriously, yeah. uh, wow. only two of the seven or eight are tested in in school. Wow! And well, you might could even say PE test the kinesthetic part, perhaps. Uh, but really, but even there, even there, you can't quite get the full full potential of some people. They got to be put into hard application, you know, to be able to do it. Yeah, interesting. And then technically speaking, you can maybe even pull in the musical side, you know, uh, there as well. But, but, but vast, the vast majority of cases, you know, education only looks normally at two spheres, uh, the, the reading and, and math. Hmm. Yeah. I got a, I got a, um, a good friend of mine. I love the dude so much. He is his brain musically is unbelievable i mean he's a music uh, professor and teacher um and he is one of them guys that uh can just he just uh remembers music musical notes musical things just i mean everything and to hear him play um different instruments it just <laughs> blows you away um yeah just I mean, it's not like it's not like it's um, you know kind of like you're going from a woodwind, so you're going from a saxophone to a clarinet and so on. No, no, this this dude will pick up a trumpet, 
and then he can go to a saxophone, and then he can go over to a piano, and it's like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so pretty amazing stuff, yeah. So you also smoke, uh, spoke on, on, on the humility you found having gone through the program. Um, speak on that for a moment. So, you know, a lot of times people come through a program like this and they automatically get, uh, you know, I've been told, and I, the people I've seen graduate, I, I can't say that I've seen anyone personally uh, take this uh, or go down this route. But I've been told that there are some people who may get some type of a degree and think that they're the expert on everything. <laughs> uh, that's not been the case with me and the vast majority of people I've spoken with going through the program that I've gone through. I, I, I can't speak for everybody, but uh, for the people in, in my circle uh, and, um, and, and speaking for myself, I, I grew a great deal of humility going through this program because for any point you're going to look at theologically, there is a vast amount of information out there. Uh, to the counterpoints, and, and there's a vast amount of information. To the counterpoints, to those counterpoints, there's a vast amount of information. And you got to stop and consider in the 2000 years of church history, we've had some tremendous minds speaking into, um, these issues like Thomas Aquinas, Augustine and, and, um, Calvin and, and, uh, uh, Wesley and, and Arminius and Molina and many others, uh, brilliant minds. And so I think that w when we look through issues, when we discuss certain issues, I think we need to approach it with a certain degree of humility. And understanding that there's a great deal of information out there. And I think when we enter, you know, start looking at the, even the very nature of God and understanding how big God truly is, no one's going to have a hundred percent, uh, understanding on all things pertaining to God. We're going to talk a little bit about this in our last, uh, uh, theological series of the season. We'll talk about the knowledge and revelation of God, but mm -hmm. you know, God has revealed certain things about himself to us. But it takes a great deal of pride for any of us to stop and think that we have every bit of information on everything about God. I don't even know that in eternity we're going to know everything about God, quite frankly. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I grew a great deal of humility through this program, just seeing, just seeing the volumes of information there is that, that exists out there. Hmm. Yeah, I was just going through the, the list of the of the uh, episodes we got coming up and, and uh, after soteriology um, theology proper and what, what all is going to be involved in that. And oof. Um, yeah, that's going to be pretty deep stuff. Um, humility to me is one of those things where when you have a person that says, Hey, I'm humble, you know, um, <laughs> that's that's the first point that tells me probably not you know <laughs> you talking about the guy who uh won the humility award and then lost it when he started wearing it on his sleeve kind of like moses when he says the most humble person <laughs> the heck is that you know <laughs> 
But, but speaking to that, I mean, the, the, the big problem I have is with people. I mean, seeing the, the vast amount of information out there is, is seeing people who think they have all the answers to all the issues. And quite honestly, there have been a lot of great minds throughout the course of history that have looked at a lot of the same things we're looking at now. And uh, I, th- I think there we have information and, and we can know certain things to be true. And I think... Uh, we, we hold certain perspectives because we believe the evidence leads us in that direction. But right. to say that we have full conclusive understanding on all matters of God, I think is is a bit is a bit arrogant for any of us to. So to then, with that, do you think um, do you think it's a little more proper for um, those that maybe have? Uh, completed the PhD program or those that are um, in any kind of um, aspect of life in that in that in what you're explaining is to realize that those that um, maybe got you to the PhD level um, are ones that you're essentially standing on their shoulders and then somebody's oh, standing, standing on your shoulders so you're just a link yeah. in the chain you know a- absolutely, and when you when you uh, and and, it, and, and if they've said this one time, they've said a thousand. A PhD in a certain realm makes you an expert on a small scope of a small sector of the field. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, the theology is 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 the the greater sphere. You know, you, you're looking at certain things which you hone in. But compared to all the fields of study out there, uh, if if I were to look at uh, uh, neurology and and um, tumors out there and, and how to resolve, uh, take out tumors for, for those who have brain cancer, I'm not an expert in that. I'm not an expert on yeah. biological systems in, in New Zealand. I yeah. know any, nothing of that. Uh, so... So, so to say that we, even with a PhD, that we have all knowledge of all things, it's just not true, and mm-hmm. and we can't we can't say that. Hmm. So, and this next question is is huge to me um, because um, being being Christians, we. We know we when we read the scriptures, we know we live in this um, in this world where we're, we understand we're spiritual beings, but we actually function in in reality in the reality of this world. And so, your latest article mentions uh, the spiritual warfare you faced um, in anxiety, doubt, and opposition. Um, so how do you handle these types of issues? I think it's important when you um I, I think it's important to have a strong personal relationship with, with God mm-hmm. uh and, and continue that. One of the first things that happen when we go through uh, times of busyness in our life, one of the first things that sacrificed is our devotional time with the Lord. And and that's the uh, and that's and the one thing you need the most. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. In everything. Yeah, and it's and it's a funny thing because I was even talking with uh, the with CPE educator, and we were talking about different things, and we were talking about uh, you know 
being overly booked. And, uh, you know, it's okay to tell people that we have plans. And, you know, we'll start talking. Well, we make plans with everybody. Why can't we make, or we make schedules with everybody. Why can't we schedule in time with God? And if someone says, you know, we need you to be here at this certain place. Well, if you have scheduled time with God, God's a person. <laughs> yeah. God's a being. Uh, you, your family, you, you know, you need to schedule time with your family. I mean, that's for the reason we're doing this on Tuesday instead of Thursday so that we can have time with our families. Um, so it's important for us to schedule time with our families, to time with God. Um, with when it comes to, um, Anxiety, uh, I, I think we have to understand that sometimes our mind will play tricks on us. And it's important for us to be rooted and grounded in the Word. It's important for us to find friends and colleagues, uh, people we can trust and depend on, uh, who, who will be there to listen to us, to help us. Sometimes we don't need someone, or, sometimes we need someone to just let us vent. Mm. Not not coming to us with any answers, not coming to us with any solutions, just being there and listening. Mm-hmm. Even if what we say, say doesn't make any sense, just be there listening to us. Let us vent. There's something very therapeutic about talking through our problems. Mm-hmm. And us guys, we don't do it as much as we need to. But sometimes <laughs> we just need a vent. Sometimes we just need someone to talk to. That's so important. <laughs> With doubt, the same thing with doubt, uh, you know, never underestimate a kind word said to someone because you don't know what somebody else is going through. I mean, even today as we started the podcast, you know, Curtis, you and I talked about some personal issues going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, I, I didn't know that you were facing some things as you are this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just don't know what another person is facing in their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's important for us to, to have a, a kind of word. So, for instance, whenever I was sent the news that I was going to defend, I was at actually at Atrium Health Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center in Winston-Salem working on the CPE uh, and was shadowing one of the, uh, the, the resident chaplains by the name of Reggie. And uh, I was outside of his office, and he could see a strange expression on my face. He said, Brian, what's, is everything okay? I said, Reggie, 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 man, you ain't going to believe this. I, I'm, I'm actually going to defend this Friday. And so he's a Liberty grad himself. So Roz was there. We, I was talking with Roz. Roz and, Roz and Reggie both went through a doctoral programs. They were giving me advice on what to anticipate. Uh, and that was very encouraging. Uh, TJ and others have given me helpful advice on what to anticipate, uh, others who've gone through the program. So never underestimate the power of an encouraging word because you just don't know how that's going to impact someone. Um, opposition, yeah, the devil through his minions, mm. the enemies of darkness through everything mm. they possibly could to keep me from finishing this program. Uh, I won't go into all the details because, quite frankly, it would take a whole other podcast to discuss the challenges my wife and I face. But I will say this much. We we moved three times in the course of this program. 
I I, I uh, mm-hmm. changed jobs two or three times. My wife changed jobs three or four times. Uh, we faced one moment when we didn't know if we were going to even have a place to live. Sure. God provided there. Uh, I mean, at every every single station we had in this, God was there opening the right doors at the right times and allowing us to pr- to proceed through. Mm-hmm. This, and as I said, this is not a brag fest on Brian Chilton. This is an amazing testimony about how God can see someone through some of the most trying situations uh, possible that a person. I mean, and I, I'm not going to say possible because there are many people who faced far more difficulties than I have, but it's just a testament to how God can can help us through something uh, that he's called us to do. Hmm. That's amazing. I, I want to go back and kind of touch on something because I find that this is important um, in, in even just normal, everyday relationship with God. I, I'm my family knows pretty I'm pretty diligent about every morning. I get up pretty early and I spend time reading the word. And I spend yeah, pretty early. It's how early? Oh uh <laughs> about three thirty, four o'clock. Oh man, that is insane. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> On the weekends it's probably around five o'clock. I mean so Yeah. But I get up I get up early, I read God's word. I spend time just pondering things and thinking about things, and I try to be—I try to set that aside. I—I—I I, I, I do that intentionally, um, because I find that if I don't, if I don't schedule it, if I don't, the day goes too fast, too quick, and it's gone, and I don't even have a chance to get back to you know even hearing. Um, you know, hearing God in his word or whatever. And so what I, what I've kind of followed is a model of every day get up and I'm, I'm talking, you know, I'm reading, you know, anywhere between 30, 30 minutes to an hour, you know, of reading God's word and praying and, and just being diligent about that. Um, and then once a week, I spend a lot more time um, in, in, uh, you know, maybe an hour or two longer, you know, just being intentional one time a week. And then one time a month, I, I'm intentional about spending, you know, half a day or three hours, four hours, um, just trying to get away and hear God and hear God's word. Now I know it's impossible to be, <laughs> to do it all the time, but it helps me get through a lot of things. I, I, um, there's times where my wife corrects me in, in certain things and, and I have to go and I have to ponder and think about it and stew on it and ask God to help me get through it. And, and so, um, you know, because we're men, Sometimes we have to be hit over the head with a with a bat just to you know just a wiffle ball bat you know just to be squared away you know um and it's funny because Amanda uh Pastor Eric's wife was was speaking this weekend and 
she's she says uh she said something about um you know as women they don't have um they don't have a category in their mind of of a nothing they don't have a nothing box category men have a nothing category and and it and it's so when they ask what are you thinking about and you say nothing <laughs> men are telling the truth it's there's literally nothing there right and it's almost like our brains just have to have that moment to shut women don't have that that's what she was explaining she says women don't have that they, they don't have this ability to just go burp, <laughs> you know, just just <laughs> flat <laughs> and i just thought it was so funny because it's like there are things that we are made to do um and and being intentional with with what we're made to do um helps us get through these daily things and just like what you're saying the the spiritual warfare the anxiety the all of those things um yeah man just a great well, and- great, great thing one more brief thing about this is that even Jesus himself needed this time alone. Mm. In Mark chapter 1, um, I mean, it's almost humorous, really, because mm-hmm. every time Jesus tried to get along with the Father, everybody was trying to pester him. Uh, he was where'd patient, he, far more patient with them than I would have been. Yeah. But, uh, but there are several times where in the scripture, it talks about Jesus getting alone to himself, mm-hmm. just time with he and the Father. And if Jesus, the Son of God, needed that, Amen. how much more do we, as common people, need that alone time with God? Oof. Yeah. I hear you there. Yeah. I wonder if Jesus had a nothing box. Very possible. <laughs> What are you thinking about? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so describe the spiritual disciplines uh, that helped you when facing the spiritual warfare. I want to share with you, and, and this is you can find this on the last article. It's uh, called uh, uh, Reflections on a PhD Journey, Part Three: Spiritual Warfare. And I want to just I want to read these. I, I list ten things. There are many more things that could be listed. These are ten principles that I found that really helped me mm-hmm. through uh, through this journey. And like I said, it, you may be going through a similar journey today. Uh, it, it may or may not be a PhD. I'm just using this as as a backboard to, to or, or or a background to talk about the greater principles we find when we're trying to do something great for Christ, uh, something big for Christ, uh, something where you find opposition, something where you find spiritual warfare taking place, where you doubt whether or not you can make it through this circumstance or situation. You you you're battling this. Um, the these uh this this journey you're battling through the process uh, no matter what that may be first and foremost and and this speaks back to something we were talking earlier about maintain a strong relationship with god through prayer i cannot overemphasize the importance of daily prayer there were times where at night when no one else was around um I would just have a heart to heart with God saying, God, I, I don't know that I can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's amazing how God would mm-hmm. just consume me yeah. 
with a sense of divine peace. I had no reason for believing that everything was going to be okay in certain situations we faced. Mm. But he gave me that peace. And sometimes it was just that divine impression that, well, I, well, I may just give you a case in point. I was in Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, I was facing some difficulties in life. And um, the Lord, it wasn't audible, but the Lord spoke to my soul as clear as day and said, Brian, don't worry. I've got this. And you know what? He did. Right. He did. Looking back at it, I am just, I'm, I'm beside myself at how God came through with some of these situations. I, mm. I'm just, I don't know how he did, but he did. And I think that's what he says to a lot of us in life. Stop worrying. Peace be still. How many times did he say that? He said it to Moses. He, Jesus said it to his disciples. Just be still. I've got this. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight your battles. Only be still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's the same thing here. We, we've got to have daily. Prayer is our lifeline. It's our communication. With it, Without it, we're powerless against the enemy. Uh, even if your prayer is only a few sentences, say just have that time of prayer with the Lord. And a lot of times prayer can not only prayer doesn't mean even necessarily that you're always talking. Prayer could mean that you're list, taking time to listen for, to God. Uh, that's important too. Number two, we mentioned this already, schedule times for consistent continual devotions. Mm. Even if you don't have time yeah. to do a long devotional, do something each day, get right. in the word each right. day. Even if it's a, a paragraph, uh, I, I do the Book of Common Prayer where it does a psalm a day, uh, a, a reading from the Old Testament, reading from the Gospels, a reading from uh, the letters of Paul or Revelation. So they say it calls it the New Testament. Uh, you know, so Psalm, mm-hmm. Old Testament, New Testament, Gospels. Um, number three, no matter what you're going through, take time to enjoy life. It's so important. The saying is true. It says, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Take time to enjoy life because you know what? This life is a whole lot shorter than we ever realize. Oh, absolutely. So whether it's exercise, painting, reading something that's non-school related, uh, reading, reading a magazine, something fun you enjoy. Maybe it's a comic book. Maybe, you know, I got comic books around here and all this stuff. Uh, you know, maybe it's reading a comic book. Take, do something that you enjoy to enjoy life because this life is a gift and it doesn't last forever. Now we're going to, we're going to be escorted into heaven and in that place it's going to be far exceed our wildest imaginations. But still, this life in this present time is a gift. You know, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Number four, establish good relationships with others going through similar things that you're going through or just, uh, someone who can be there for you. It's so important for us to have people who just simply listen. Maybe it's just allowing us to vent our, to them our problems. It's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, number five, don't neglect corporate worship. Now, this is something that a lot of people are doing these days. And, and I know COVID was scared a lot of people. But understand, mm-hmm. there is nothing like having time with good, godly Christian friends. God has blessed us to be able to go out with some good, godly Christian people. And I can't express to them. One of them is listening to the podcast tonight. Philip Atkins and his wife, Vicki Atkins, uh, Randy and Crystal McGraw. We have had such a good time going out and enjoying fellowship with them. 
uh, with having a meal. And uh, as as one of, uh, I think it was Philip who said, this is like therapy. And it is. Just going out with good, godly Christian people and having a good time. It's just so important. But even more so, it's important to have that corporate worship where we come together with the people of God, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, but going there in person. Having that personal relationship mm-hmm. with people is so critically important. And a lot of people are neglecting that, and I think it's to our own detriment that we are. Number six, if your anxiety becomes too intense, seek professional help. Listen, there's no shame in seeking out help. Even J.P. Moreland talks about this in his book, Finding Quiet. Um, If you need help, help is out there. We have lost way too many people in recent years to suicide because people refuse to seek help. If you need help... Help is available. Number seven, do something to make progress on whatever it is you're working for. For me, uh, this was studies in the PhD program. It was a dissertation. Do something each day to work on whatever it is uh, God is calling you to do. Number eight, this goes to the first point we've made. Remember your calling. It's going to be critical to get you through whatever you're going through, to focus on the calling that God has given you. Number nine, recognize that the end will come sooner than you think. Um, no matter what yeah. you're going through, it's not going to last forever. Yeah. Uh, I remember starting this program. I thought there's no way I'm going to get through all these classes. Lo and behold, I got through them. And, and Curtis, I got to tell you the crazy <laughs> thing about these intensives, um, being worried worried as I am, uh, on Sunday night going up to campus, I was missing my family already. That first night in the hotel or the Airbnb, I was missing my family. I thought, man, I can't wait for this week to get over. First day, you meet people in class. You build strong relationships. Day two, you're going out enjoying lunch together. You're having deep conversations. Thursday night, you go out and have a supper together. And Friday comes, and you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm going to miss these folks. Some of these folks, I may never get to see again. And you've built that strong relationship over a week's time. So so you leave your house to go to the campus missing your family, and you come back home missing the people you just the Christian bond that we have as believers. It's it's the wildest thing. The week just flew by. And, And looking back, I'm thinking, man, where did the time go? So whether it's a good thing, whether it's a bad thing, you know, whatever it is you're going through, if you're going through a difficulty, recognize it won't last forever. There's an end in sight. And then lastly, acknowledge that the victory is worth a battle. Uh, small gains will eventually lead to major accomplishments. It's like a football team. If you keep getting first downs, eventually you're going to be in the end zone. And you're going to score a touchdown. Uh, you keep getting first downs. Eventually, it's inevitably going to happen. Mm-hmm. The same is true for this. And I, I've got to tell you this. Whenever I defended my dissertation, and then uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Purser and Dr. Thornhill, Dr. Campbell came on, and they said, uh, congratulations, Dr. Chilton. You have successfully defended your dissertation. I was so overwhelmed. Um my wife came pick me up after it was all over. Uh, we went up to Mount Airy to eat uh, to eat lunch together. And as we were riding up there, I can't even explain to you. It's hard to put in words. I felt like there was this rush 
this this flood the, the flood water just poured over my dry arid soul. Uh, I used this with with a person this week, and and that's the best way I can use to to phrase what it felt like. It was just like such a relief, uh, such a release from all that pressure that I've been carrying the mm. past few years. And it was like I just sat there. He's talking about nothing. And then for a while, I just had nothing on my mind, just, just basking <laughs> in, the, in the wonder that I can't believe this is finally over. Uh, and not finally using it as a bad thing, but just mm-hmm. I can't believe that this process is finished. Mm-hmm. It's over. It's done. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking back and thinking, it went faster than I thought it was going to. Even though it's sure. been several years, you know, I look back at it and I recount and thinking, Man, I can't believe it actually ended, and I can't believe I actually made it through. And and then all these recollections came back to my mind of all these difficulties and just being overwhelmed by the glory of God in this moment. Oh wow! It's it's unlike anything I think I've experienced before. It was really an overwhelming emotional rush hmm. that that uh, that morning, and. Um, the same thing is true in our lives. No matter what we're going through, uh, no matter what your calling may be, keep pressing onward because God is going to bring you to the finish line. And when he does, the victory is going to be worth the ride. Mm. It truly is. Yeah. Before we shut off here, uh, before we close down, I wanted to read this um, section of scripture. It's in Matthew 6. Verses 26 through 34. It says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hair to the span of his life or single hour? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. Therefore, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen. Well, that's the story of the adventure of uh, the PhD. Uh, we here at Motor Christie. And it's also, I think it's also just, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, it's oh. also a reflection of the, uh, of the 10 years we've been, Oh yeah. This, yeah. this, this week marks 10 official years. That's uh, right. This Thursday does in, um, online ministry. And, uh, this is just the beginning. We've got a great, a lot of great stuff coming up in the year ahead, and and I'm just excited to see what the next ten years are going to bring. 
Yeah. Well, there it is. We hear Bellator Christie. Want to thank you for the for spending time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayers that this podcast helps stretch your mind and becomes a place to strengthen your faith as we, as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie podcast. And until next time, Brian and I say, "Soldier on, friends." On, friends. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast with Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo. This podcast is an exclusive production of Bellator Christie Ministries and is protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The views expressed on this podcast may not reflect the opinions of Bellator Christie Ministries and its affiliates. We thank you for listening and hope you'll consider leaving a positive review. To see more from Bellator Christie Ministries, Go to bellatorchristi.com.